Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Good morning. Uh, thank you, Andy. And uh, I, yeah, I work for Youth for Christ, an organization I love and passionate about. We're about seeing young people's lives changed by Jesus. We believe that the gospel still works and can touch and change anybody's life. Do you believe that as well? Absolutely. And so we are passionate to that end. And so my theme this morning I've been given uh, is around, we're still following the, it's the last one, isn't it, of the Black to School series, because young people, as Andy said, are absolutely going back this next week. And so it wouldn't make sense for us to continue this. But on this one, we are looking at the theme of investing in young people. And the lesson that I would love us to take away as we're looking at the kind of teachings of Solomon and the lesson I'd love us to take away today, oh man, I've been nervous about this bit from the chalkboard because I did it earlier and it went all wrong and it's possibly about to do the same. Okay, okay. The lesson I'd love us to learn is understanding your impact can last a lifetime. Understanding that your impact can last a lifetime. I've been involved in youth ministry for over 30 years. And the one thing I know is this, if a young person is to reach their potential, then it takes an army of people to help them get there. They don't just stumble into it. It doesn't just happen. And you may be here this morning, you're like, well, I'm not a parent, or my parent days are gone, or I just actually don't like young people. Well, okay, I get it, I get it. But hold on in there, because I genuinely believe that regardless of who we are, we can make an impact that lasts a lifetime in the lives of young people in this nation. And how might we do that and how might that look? Well, Proverbs 22 verse 6 says this, if it would come up for me. Thank you. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. And if you're a parent, then you know that you will make an impact that lasts a lifetime. Of course you do. Your kids will tell you that. My grown-up kids love telling me the impact that I've made on their lives for good and not so good. Those cringy moments like, oh, did I really say and do that? I can't believe I didn't. I didn't. They're lying. <laughs> this verse that we looked at, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? It sounds so easy, but it's anything but that. Pre-COVID, I would be on the road three out of four Sundays every year speaking in churches. And so what I would do is I would totally cheat. I'm not alone in this. I would produce one master message and uh, I would make sure it was good. And I would just keep telling that master message over the whole year, right? And so people think, wow, amazing. But actually it wasn't. I just had one good message. And that was it. Unlike poor Leon and the team here who had to keep coming up with stuff. And I remember uh, speaking. I was going to speak at a church one particular Sunday. It's Saturday. It's my day off. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, good. What am I going to do today? And I get this nudge in my spirit. And it's, oh, I don't know if I've got the right message for the church tomorrow, but I don't know this church. I've never been to this church. My message is fine. But throughout the day, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger to the evening when I'm like, oh, this is not the right message. I don't know why it's not the right message. It's not the right message. So I go into my room. I pray and say, God, I don't have another message. What do you want me to say? And I feel like God says, and I can't tell you how I felt it, but I felt it, that God said, I want you to speak on standing in the gap. Now, I've read the Bible, I don't know how many times, and in that moment, I'm like, huh, is, is, 
Is that actually in the Bible? Standing in the gap. And so I Google to my shame, standing in the gap, Bible, sure enough, it is there. Ezekiel 22:30. I look for someone who might rebuild the walls of righteousness that guard the land. I search for someone to stand in the gap so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. And I went on and kind of uh, uh, came up with a message for them, but there was something about that that kind of impacted me. So, so the notion here is that the wall is a, f- a fortification. It goes around the town or the city and it would protect it. And if the wall was breached, if it had a hole in it, the only way that they, the, 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 that they could protect the town or city was by putting the troops into the wall itself until the wall was rebuilt. And God is asking, who will stand in the gap for me? Who will speak out? Who will stand for justice and righteousness? And as I was processing this, this illustration, it dawned on me that perhaps the walls for the young people in this generation have some holes in them, that they've been breached. And how do I come to that conclusion? Well, in the last three years, there has been a rise by 50% in mental health challenges with young people in this nation. If you're a teacher here today, that is one in five young people in your classroom has significant mental health challenges. You'll know that automatically. You won't need me to tell you that. The average young person spends nine hours and 38 minutes in front of a screen every day. Screens are neutral. They're not good nor bad. It's what influences is what they're watching, what they're doing, what is they're digesting and absorbing that it's impacting them. There is roughly 2.93 million young people in this nation living in poverty. And that will increase by another 500,000 throughout this next year. And we work with a lot of young people in deprived environments. And a number of them have to turn to crime for one single reason. So they can eat. Between the ages of 11 to 18... 10% of all young people are either not in employment, education, or training. The number of young people walking around the streets not knowing what to do or in school or education is phenomenal, 10%. And there was a TV program that brings politicians together with with an audience and asks them questions, right? I'm not going to name the TV program, but the uh, question was asked, what do we do with the challenges of young people? To which every politician, without failure, said the same thing. Which was, well, the answer to the problem of addressing young people in this nation is to increase community policing. Now, I've lived in four other nations. And I've got to tell you, the police force in this country is remarkable. It's incredible. But I'm not sure the police are commissioned to resolve the challenges of young people in this nation. Luke 2.52 says this, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favour with both God and man. Jesus grew mentally, physically, socially, spiritually. He lived in balance. And as a youth practitioner, I would, I would suggest young people need balance, but it needs to be underpinned by faith. And that Jesus is the game changer. And when he changes our lives, we're never the same again. I don't believe Jesus is the fixer, but I do believe he's the completer. And what do I mean by that? Well, I've been a Christian for 35 years. And in that time, I've had all sorts of things I've had to work through. And some of it Jesus has taken, others have had to just push through and work through. But he is the completer. I can't imagine who I would be today without Jesus in my life. Could you imagine a generation of young people so passionately in love with Jesus that they radiate him wherever they go? Because that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm praying for. 
But we have a role to play here, people, because there are many things battling for the hearts and the minds of our young people in this nation. And I wonder if the walls and the defences have come down somewhat and that the war has been breached. And I wonder if God is asking who will stand in the gap? Who will help make an impact that will last a lifetime? And you're like, yeah, well, that's why we've got youth workers and that's why we've got other organisations out there. I do believe the church has a significant role to play in standing in the gap. But I also believe you and I do, regardless of your contact with young people. So how does that play out? Well, I believe the first thing we're called to do as we stand in the gap is to pray. I was uh, speaking at a church maybe six, seven weeks ago, and it was down south, and it was a youth event, and there were 450 young people in the audience. And as I got up to speak, it was very clear to me that the majority of them were unchurched, mainly because they just weren't listening. You are very polite, thank you. So they're not listening, and I'm doing my best, and I'm doing everything I can to try and drill home who Jesus is. And at the end of it, I say, look, you've got a decision to make. You can live your life the way you want to live it, or you can give Jesus an opportunity. And if you want to give Jesus an opportunity, I'm just going to invite you to stand right now. These are totally unchurched young people. One kid just nudges, almost stands up and then sits down again. And I just look at him and I smile. And then eventually he stands. And then another stands. And another stands. And over half the room ended up standing. I hung around afterwards because that's pretty rare these days for that to happen. And I asked, what's the deal? What's going on in this church when it comes to youth ministry? And they said, well, 20 years ago in this church, we had no young people at all. And uh, there were three people who were so burdened by the fact that there were no young people that they committed to praying. And they got together every week to pray. For a year went by and they just prayed and prayed and prayed. Nothing. Two years, three years, five years, 10 years went by, no fruit. No young people. 15 years went by, no young people. 20 years went by before a young person came into the church, but it didn't stop them praying for 20 years. Now that church is full of young people, and the number of unchurched young people coming to that building is unbelievable. Why? Because people prayed. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I plead with you today that you would stand in the gap and that you would pray for young people. Why? Because of this verse here. In Judges 2.10, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord. We live in an age where secularism is on the rise, where the research we as Youth for Christ did called Z2A, Faith and Spirituality, told us that only 51% of young people believe in any sort of higher power than themselves, which means 49% either don't believe or don't know. Young, for young people, God is not on the agenda, but when you put him on the agenda... They're just as likely to respond to the gospel as any other generation before them. They need the opportunity to hear about who he is. And if we pray for this generation, then we will make an impact that lasts a lifetime. The second thing we can do is that we can stand in the gap by advocating for this generation. And we can do that by... Um, 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 all sorts of things, but let me just tell you a story, if I may, of a Youth for Christ centre. Sorry, I am Youth for Christ heavy today, but that's what you get when you get me. So uh, there was a Youth for Christ centre, and they were running drop-in clubs, a whole load of them, but there was one of them which was a cooking club, and they were getting about 20 people to it, 
And as they were uh, 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 coming in and doing their cooking, that grew to 40, to 60, to 80, to 100, to 120 young people coming into a cooking club. The director of the center came along, Aaron, he's like, what's happening here? Why are so many people coming to a cooking club? Why are the it's just as many guys as girls. So he walked around asking them, why do you come? What's the reason for coming? And the answer was the same. It's the only time we're guaranteed of eating. That's in this country, people. It's the only time we're guaranteed of eating. And so Aaron is so perturbed by that that he starts to advocate to the council and to churches all around. If you go to that cooking club today, You'll notice when they come through the door, they're immediately given a hot dog or a slice of pizza. Very healthy, I know, but hey, they're eating. And then they cook their food. And then as they're leaving, 120, doesn't matter how many are there, 120, every single one of them is given a box. And in that box is enough food to feed them and their family for the week. We need to make a difference. Aaron's so, he's so concerned about the needs, but he's driving around and he's noticing the number of young people not in school. So he goes to the local authority and says, hey, you've got a whole lot of young people who are not in school. What's the deal? And the local authority, we can't handle the situation. So Aaron said, okay, well, here's the thing. I work for an organization called Youth for Christ. We run a course called My Life. It's a life skills training course. It's accredited. They get a formal education from it. Give them to me. And so the council set up a room and they give him 80 young people. Just a few months back, we were able to moderate and sign off 80 qualified courses for young people who otherwise wouldn't have anything. And he's so concerned for them that he was moved into action. And you may be sat here today and go, well, yeah, 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 but that's why we, we, we support things like Phase Trust, and so you should. Face Trust is a remarkable organization who does an incredible job of reaching out to at-risk young people. They are exceptional. But what is your role? What role do you play here? My 17-year-old daughter, I can't go with her and pass a homeless person without her being stirred into action. If I go into Birmingham, we don't get a lot done. And the question I have for you is, what stirs you? What convicts you? What motivates you? Because whatever that is, move it into action right to the local authorities, to the councils, and advocate for young people and their needs. Join a fundraising group. Become a member of a PTA in your school. It doesn't matter what it is, you can make a difference because you have a voice. And in Proverbs 31.8, it says here, it says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. You can do that, people. We can do that. And when we advocate for young people, we get to make an impact that lasts a lifetime. So what's the third thing we can do? Well, the third thing we can do by standing in the gap is getting involved. And I was visiting another Youth for Christ center, and they said, hey, do you want to hang on and go to one of our dropping clubs later? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. And they said, well, it's for skaters, not ice skaters, but for skateboard guys. And he said, it's a pretty hard group of young people. When they come through the door, we have to frisk them for knives and knuckle dusters and various things. So it's that kind of environment. I'm like, okay, I'll be there. And we want you to share the gospel. Okay, that's fine. And so I go into this place and there's Greg's foodware for them. There's Xboxes, all sorts of things. But right in the middle of this room is an 85-year-old lady. And then she just sat there in a wheelchair and I'm like, uh, what's the deal with this person? And they said, well, just watch. And all night long, these hardened young people 
moved towards that lady. She didn't go to any single one of them. They just continually gravitated around her. And I said, what's happening? And the Youth for Christ director said, well, these guys are from such broken and dysfunctional backgrounds. They don't have grandparents in their lives. She's a surrogate grandparent for them. And she just listens to them. And she gently shares Jesus. And as I uh, drove home, I, I just thought on that a little bit. And it just dawned on me that the church across this nation is full of grandparents. And we all have the ability to listen. James says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Imagine what happens when we start to listen to the needs of our young people in this nation. But Romans 10, 14 also says, how will they know about Jesus unless we tell them? We can't just listen. We also need to share. Romans 1, 16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of those whom believe. The gospel changes lives. You agreed to that when I started. And so we need to move into action, don't we? There is a gap that needs filling in our nation, a gap where we can pray, where we can advocate, and where we can get involved in the belief that it will change lives. If I may, I'd like to go back to that story that I started with, with the church where I had to change the message. And I, I uh, did change. It wasn't the one that I shared just with you now, but I got up at 4.30 in the morning and I drove four hours to a church and it's a small church and I, uh, there's no one in the car park. There's no cars in the car park. The door seems locked. I find a way to get in and uh, I'm wandering around. No one's there and uh, making myself a coffee, uh, making myself at home. And uh, this man comes running in and he goes, oh, have you heard? Have you heard? I'm like, oh, no, they cancelled the service. I'm like, I just changed my message and drove to get here. And I'm like, no, I haven't heard. And he goes, you not heard? No, no one told you? No, my cat died. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, no, no one told you my cat died. No, 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 no one told me. And he goes, well, um, anyway, who are you? I'm like, oh, is you the visiting speaker? I'm like, yes, yes, yes. He goes, okay. He says, are you leading the service as well? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to lead the service. I just want to speak. And he goes, okay, do you want me to lead the service? Now, here was my mistake. <laughs> and I said, sure, yeah, you lead it. I thought he was an elder. And uh, the elders do come in shortly afterwards, and he goes running up to them and says, you heard about my cat? No, they hadn't heard about his cat. And so he then says, uh, hey, um, uh, Neil, this guy, he said that I can lead the service. Now, their look at that point was not one of, uh, that sounds like a good idea. And so they said, no, you're not leading. He said, well, Neil said. And they look at me and say, well, I did say. And so we then go into this room, which is not square. It's just long and thin. And we're all stood shoulder to shoulder, just looking at the wall, having a conversation about the service. And then we pray. And then we go into the, the church, which is quite small. And there's 16 people in it. And they're all over 70. And I'm thinking, ha, oh, I drove four hours for 16 people over 70 with the wrong message and I just uh, I'm like okay the guy gets up and he starts to lead the service and he says right we're going to sing a song and he names the song they're going to sing which was like Colors of Day or something like that and the pianist stands up he says we're not singing that song and they start to have a disagreement between each other and at this point I clock on there's something really not right here and so they sing the song that the pianist wants to sing and then uh, he gets down and the guy gets up again and says Neil do you have a children's message I'm like, no, and there's no children. And he goes, okay, I guess that's on me then. So he gets up and uh, he says, children, come forth. 
and I don't know where they came from, I really don't. Four children appear and sit at his feet. And then he starts to say, children, children, you will have noticed that Hilda's missing today. Now, there's only 16 people, so there is a good chance that they've noticed Hilda's missing. And so, and, and he goes, yeah, 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 Hilda was taken ill and she went to hospital. And uh, children, she got out of bed to go to the toilet. I'm thinking, this is detail. And uh, she sat on the toilet, children, and she died. Now, I know that's a really serious thing, but everything in me is beginning to burst out with wanting to laugh. And I'm like, he's just announced that Hilda's dead to the whole church. And this is how he's done it. She's on the toilet. Anyway, he then goes, and Hilda's dying is a bit like Jesus dying on the cross. Not at all. I don't know how he made that point. But anyway, he goes on and makes this point and then gets down and says, Neil, it's your turn. I get up thinking that no one's going to listen. I give a message. No one's really listening to me. And when things go south, this is what I do. I get down. I grab my coat. I go to the door and I leave. And so I grab my coat. I'm going to the door. And as I go to the door, this man stops me. And he says, oh, are you leaving now? Yes. And he says, I've got a gift for you. I'm like, oh, he's the treasurer. He's got a gift for you for Christ. And he's like, yeah, 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 just put out your hand. No one has ever asked me to do that before. Just put out your hands like that, okay. And he says, "Uh, close your eyes. No. (laughs) So I'm looking at him. And then he just pours into my hands a whole load of biscuits. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to give these to the finance team. But okay, thank you. And I go to the car with the biscuits that I know I'm going to eat on the way home. And as I get in the car, oh, I was about to get in the car, a man runs up and he says, hey, hey, before you go, I just want to speak to you real quick. And, he sa- and I'm like, oh, no, more of these people. And I'm like, yep, 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 yep. And he goes, I just, you know, I wasn't going to come today because I heard someone from Youth for Christ was speaking. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> and he goes, but God told me to come. And last night he told me I had to write something down and I needed to give you it. And he pulls out of his pocket this crumpled up piece of paper. And right in the middle of it are the words, standing in the gap. And I said, what what do you think that means to you? And he goes, well, all week I felt God saying to me that he's calling me to stand in the gap for young people. And I've been resisting it. And he said, last night you need to go because I placed something on a speaker's heart to share and confirm of what I'm asking you to do. The night before I changed the message, drove four hours went to a church with 16 people, was compensated in biscuits so that a man could hear God confirm to him that he is called to stand in the gap. People, we are called to stand in the gap for young people in this nation. And will you do it? I've been a youth worker for 30 years and I sat with so many parents who are sobbing so deeply I can barely make out what they're saying because their hearts are breaking for the young people that they've been raising. I've been with to court with members of my youth group and seen them sentenced to jail and watched hope and despair just fill or leave the person, uh, the parents. And I have been with gang members who've done unthinkable things. And I have had to call social services for young people to be removed from houses and I've had parents ask that their kids would be removed. But I choose to believe in a God of transformation because I've seen young people suffering heavily from depression get the help they need and their lives transformed. I've seen gang members who've done unthinkable things choose to follow Jesus. And I have seen thousands of young people 
make decisions to follow Jesus and their lives have never been the same again. Will you stand in the gap? Will you stand in the gap for the young people in your family, for the young people on your street, for the young people in your schools, for the young people on the street and next to the bus stop, for the young people all across this nation because when we stand in the gap through praying, through advocating, by getting involved, we make an impact that will last a lifetime. Let me pray. Lord, there's a generation of young people searching for answers far and wide, but you, Lord, are the answer and you are the one that they need. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to stand in the gap for this generation of young people, whether it be through prayer, whether it be that we advocate, whether it be that we get involved. But Lord, may you use us to make an impact that will last a lifetime. In Jesus' name.